Welcome everybody to Dad Talk Today. I'm your host, Eric Carroll. Thank you so much for being here. We have an amazing podcast lined up for you today. We are a podcast that talks about all things fatherhood. Before we start, please make sure to visit all of our social media websites, our podcast links, rate, review, subscribe, and help us towards the cause that we are trying to do here today. And no matter what you're going through today, Dad, we hope that this podcast leaves you inspired with your head held high. Keep fighting and tomorrow you will find progress. Stay cool. Stay dad. This episode brought to you by www.dadtalktoday.com. Hey everybody. Welcome to Dad Talk Today. I am your host Eric Carroll. Please make sure to join us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Apple and Google Podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. Also, if you would like to join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash dadtalktoday, you will also get access to our brand new television show. We will be uploading them there for anybody that becomes a member to help our podcast. We've got another amazing episode lined up for you today. We are sponsored by the Isaac Law Firm, the Father's Rights Movement, Upstream Growth Consultants, and the house champ, Mr. Yaya McLean, two-time world champion boxer, is the newest real estate agent. He's got his title. Now let him help you get yours. Guys, we hope you enjoy it. Stay cool, stay dad, and we'll catch you later on down the road. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dad Talk Today. I am your host, Eric Carroll, joined as always by my co-host, Chris Gannon. And we are joined today by Marie White. Marie, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing really good. For those of you that don't know, Marie is a best-selling author. How many books is it you've wrote so far? Eight. Eight. Yeah, we definitely want to pick your head about that. <laughs> um, but before we get into that, Marie, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up and some, you know, some of your family dynamics and what it was like being Marie growing up. Yeah, it was very Marie-like, actually, now that you've asked. <laughs> so I'm glad I get to tell you that. Now I'm uh, from a larger family. There's five kids and um, grew up as the oldest, have a, a wonderful family. Uh, my parents did get divorced, so uh, we did have that. And it was kind of neat because the kids kind of took over and we said, we're all going to stay with one parent um, and oh, did wow. that. Um, but still had contact with both, had a really good 50-50, you know, shared um, access. We didn't have any of the parental alienation, but then um, several years ago, uh, when our child was, our youngest child was three and a half, they were abducted. Oh. And so that was four and a half years of terror and what your audience is going through, very similar to parental alienation, not knowing if your child's okay, not knowing what's happening to them, not knowing what's going on emotionally. And then that's what I started writing. And that's why I'm on your show. Absolutely. And, and there's a book that you wrote that I, I definitely want to dip into that talks a lot about what we've got going on here at uh, Strength for Parents of Missing Children. An amazing book. But you was telling us about one, that you, a child's book that you've actually wrote called Thinking of You. Can you tell us a little bit about that book? Yeah, it's called uh, I Think of You. It's right here behind me because it's very pretty and bright. So I have to have it in the background. And it basically explains what's going on um, for, to a child about ages two to about 10, 
um, explains what's going on in parental alienation to them. So when they're wondering, you know, I'm not with my dad or I'm not with my mom, do they think of me? Are they, you know, do they care about me? They say they love me, but, you know, I don't really know because I don't see them. It talks about, you know, to a child, when we as parents are driving past a park and we see other children, we think of them. So it kind of goes through all the seasons and nighttime when they go to sleep and their birthdays and how even if we're not with them, all we do is think about them. That's awesome. And that's an awesome present that any any parent here could get for their child so that when yes. they do see their child, they can give them that book. And, and to uh, read it to them during visits when you have, yeah. you know, even supervised visits, it's acceptable read. And one of the things you said was, you know, you, you've dealt with abduction. And, and I think by listening to some of the interviews you've done prior and reading about you all day today, uh, you very much have said on many occasions that the same emotions that go along with abduction are yes. pretty much linear to parental alienation. So, you know, you can, you can speak, you know, as somebody who's been in a situation of abduction, but at the same time, also speak to parental alienation nation as well. Um, right. I think that's very the same important. things are happening. Yeah, that's very important. So that should be able to like give our audience watching like realize this is somebody who's struggled with the same emotions that you're struggling with and the feelings and the depression and the anxiety. And, you know, one of the things you have on your on your website, uh, which is Marie, is it mariewhiteauthor.com? It is. I believe it is. Okay is a free book called Changing Your Life in Just 10 Days. And the cool thing about this book is it's an interactive book. I really like how you did it. So it's not just a book you read. It is a book you can interact with, take notes, and it kind of handholds you through uh, some coping me mechanisms. Can you talk about like how you developed that book and and just it, from your personal experience, is that where you where you took a step back and said, hey, look, you know, these are the things that I think helped me the most. Uh, talk about writing that book a little bit. Well, it's kind of funny because as I said, I didn't start writing till all this happened. And I think that that's a perspective we don't always take when we're going through something this horrendous. And it, right. it doesn't matter if it's a parental alienation, if it's a kidnapping, it's an abduction, you know, if your child gets taken into foster care. When your child is not with you and you don't know where they are, everyone knows it's a living hell. It just is. You know, what's happening to them, all these different things you're wondering. So the best thing you can do is really strengthen yourself in that time period. Use that time period to help yourself grow and become the person that you always wanted to be. And so changing your life in just 10 days is a really short, really simple way to kind of boost that and get a jump start on becoming that person you wanted to be. You've had this thing thrown at you and you've got to find a way to cope. Well, then let's walk through some really easy things you can do so that you can cope in the meantime. Absolutely. And you know, Marie, Dad Talk Today actually started off as a blog before it did as a podcast. And this was my outlet to get in there and kind of write. And I, same thing. I never did anything like that until I was going through it, but it was the best therapy I've ever had. And I can look back from when I started this to where I'm at now and see the progress that was made. Has this been the, the same process? Has it been therapy to be able to put some of those thoughts out there and some of the, you know, that your opinions on what's going on? Well, it's funny because I actually was thinking about that the other day. I was thinking I need to go back and do the things I was doing when all this was happening, because I've gotten away from doing that self-care stuff because, you know, our child right. has been returned to us now. Um, so the last nine months have been incredible, which is great. 
but I've also not been taking care of myself, which means then I cannot take care of my child properly. So yeah, I mean, writing these things down, kind of making a process has been really great. People ask me all the time, you know, is it, was it therapeutic? I'm like, no, it was awful. Mm -hmm. Like in the beginning, when I sat down to write this book, I mean, I had to go back to day one. Right. What did I need to hear on day one to get me to day two? Because I didn't think I was going to make it to day two. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing is, you know, how do we, there was no handbook. There was no guidebook. There was nothing to tell us how to get through from day one to four and a half years later when our child was returned. Right. So that's why I wrote this to get everybody else through what we're all living through, which is this, this living nightmare. Um, I think in the end, writing it down really was therapeutic reliving it and going through it again and looking at it from a different perspective probably was amazingly therapeutic. You know, and the only thing that comes to mind when you talk about that, like my dad died back in 2013, we had no warning and he had a kidney stone and it was just one night it happened. And there were, there were certain events around that, that we didn't really agree with. And people wanted us to kind of like make a case out of it with the VA. He died at the VA and we tried for a good bit, but we kind of just kind of stepped back from it. And they was like, well, why aren't you, you know, pressing forward with this? Why aren't you pressing forward with this? And I was like, because every time I've got to talk about this with my mom, mm-hmm. she goes back to that night and I watched that pain come through. And I was like, I don't want to see that no more. Nothing we do is going to bring it back. I know it's a little bit of a different situation, but in, in many aspects, it's the same. Mm-hmm. It is the same because you're, you're grieving the loss of a living child. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And, you know, I want to thank you because one of the interviews I listened to you uh, today that, that you did was about the relationship between abduction and alienation and PTSD. And you're one of the only people that I've heard like just self bring that up. And I think that's because you were in a situation where you experienced it, where when you have a specialist or a professional, not downing them, uh, who's never been through it alienation or an abduction, uh, they don't, they don't make that correlation. And, you know, I think that's a really big thing. What can you, what can you say in regards to PTSD uh, in relation to abduction or parental alienation? And and how did you make that link? Because I was very thankful that you did. (laughs) Well, I mean, as you know, we're, we're living through it. All of us are living through it. There are things that trigger us and things that bring us back and things that we fear that really we shouldn't fear, that normal people don't fear. They don't fear that when someone knocks at the door, it's gonna be someone to come and take your children, okay. you know, or a false allegation, or you're not gonna be at work and all of a sudden there's gonna be a police officer you know, stopping by to say, oh, hey, guess what? I heard you did this. And you're like, what? I, I didn't do that. Like these are things normal people don't have to deal with. Right. The people who are going through alienation and have to go through all the mess of all of this uh, are constantly bombarded with with fears that are true, that are real. And then once you have that happen over and over again, you start to live in that fear. So then the PTSD is that, you know, all of a sudden there is a doorbell and thank goodness it's Amazon dropping off something. But your first thought is, is it someone here to take my child? Is it someone here with a false allegation? Is it someone here with some bad news because bad just keeps seeming to happen? And then on top of that, nobody else understands that. They're just thinking you're going through a messy divorce. And then on top of that, then they start thinking um, that none of us can go and get the help that we need 
because if we go to somebody and say, I think I'm suffering from PTSD or I'm depressed or I really feel overwhelmed by this, everyone's afraid it'll be used against them. Yes. So then you're stuck in this loop of, I've got something really serious that's setting me off and that I'm really dealing with and I can't reach out for help. Right. And I'm, I'm actually currently in that situation myself because I was diagnosed with PTSD in relation to parental alienation. And when I went into court, uh, the court evaluators said it, it's not possible to have PTSD from parental alienation. So that's why it was so meaningful in the interview I listened to with you today of you bringing that up and recognizing that because it, it kind of validated myself. Of course, I have doctors and therapists who've told me, <laughs> but uh, somebody that I, I look up to and I respect, you know, that meant a lot. So thank you. Uh, as far as when you're writing, when you're writing the books, Right. Is there ever, when we talk about wellness, is there ever a point where you start to get too upset or you hear somebody's story and you're like, you know what, I've, I've got to take a break. Like, I've got to get away. Yeah, absolutely. And Eric and I talked about this at one point, you know, that especially in this world, whenever you're any kind of figurehead in this world of parental alienation. And the only reason I am is because um, in the marketing process, go, as the book was going to the publisher and it was out, you know, at different um editors and, and agents and things like that, I had to do a lot of marketing research. And as I researched it, I found out that what we were going through were the same emotions and things that you guys were going through. And I found this community of people feeling the same way we did, who were going through something that was not, not the same in the same circumstance. My husband and I are married. This was not a, another parent taking them, but the emotions were exactly the same. Right. All the fears, all the feelings. And so, um, so it, that's how I became part of the parental alienation community because all of a sudden it was like, oh, these are my people. <laughs> they right. totally get it. Um, you had a question and I totally lost <laughs> where I was going with that. Oh, it was about when you were uh, like, when you write the books or you're talking to people that oh, have okay, stories, yes. like, is it, is there a point where like you need to, you're like, I need to take a yes. break for a day or two because you emotionally, Eric and I both know doing these and when I, yes. you know, the good night show that I do, Getting off after that good night show, like I know I need an hour to myself yes. to just cry or, you know, put myself back together. Like, how did you deal with that? What was your process like there? Well, that, that's what I was trying to tell you is that that's what I told Eric. I was like, it, at different points, there's a point to take on other people's issues. Okay. There's a point where you say, you know, you're going to be the champion for the people and you're going to stand up for people and do that. And that is amazing. But there's also another point where people come to you with problems too big for you to hear. Your bucket is full. You can't take another sob story. And it's not just a sob story of someone saying, oh, I'm going through this too. And it's so hard. It's someone who wants to tell you every detail for 30 some pages of all the stuff and they can't be helped and you can't help them and nobody can help them, but they want to put this on you. And it's too much for us. We can't, sometimes we just have to say, you know, I'm so sorry, I, I couldn't even read the whole thing. I, you know, I just had to, had to say, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry for you. As a believer, I'm gonna say, you know, I'm gonna pray for you. And, you know, I definitely lift people up in that. But you do have to kind of guard yourself and say, at some point, I can't take on all of your pain because I can barely handle my own. And you're 100% you're right. And then a lot of times, if you don't take that, they think it's because you got some ulterior motives or something like that. It's just like, guys, you don't understand. This is exhausting. It is literally exhausting. I, my, my wife was looking at me last night when I got back from Florida. She's like, you just look tired. I was like, yes. It's like hearing this stuff all day long. If you're a person that cares 
you can't listen to it without it taking a toll on you. No. But I want to say thank you so much. And I want to ask you a little bit about the strength for parents of missing children. Where did the concept from this book come from? And uh, what were some of the inspirations behind writing this? Well, um, it's kind of interesting because, and I talk about this in my TEDx talk, that you know we were foster parents for eight years before all this happened. And that's kind of, you know, that and the fact that we were Christians really set us up with a big giant target on us. And that's how we became the focus and somebody decided to do this terrible abduction. Um, we, we knew about trauma, okay? Right. I, I knew, I had, you know, learned about it and gone to all these, you know, classes and we had tra traumatized children in our home and I understood all that. And then when we were living through it, it took me many days to realize, uh, duh, we're going through trauma. Like, mm -hmm. You're in it, you can't see it. You can't you know, see it when in your own situation. And so all of a sudden, um, when I did decide to write this book, it was more of, okay, all those things you know about trauma and you're starting to implement to keep your family sane and healthy and able to keep moving on and keep searching and keep fighting and keep doing this. Why don't you write those down for somebody else? Because you had to remember them or discover them or look online to find out what foods to eat. Like what if, you wrote that all down for the next person so they don't have to figure it out from ground one. And if they don't have the training you've had, they have no way of accessing all that information. Right, right. And that's a very important point that you bring up about nutrition, the foods that you eat, the routine, uh, because that's where a lot of alienated parents or non-custodial parents screw up and do not take care of themselves and then isolate and then go you know, down that, that path that can be very hard to get out of. And is that, is that a path you personally traveled and had to come up the other side of the hill and that's, that's how you're able to give this advice? Or was it looking back and, and learning, no, I should have dealt with this better, um, how you learned and imparted your knowledge to everybody else? Um, I, like so many other alienated parents, um, or you know, that you're talking to, obviously I'm not an alienated parent, but you know what I mean? Um, if I mess up and say that, it's just because I consider myself part of the community. Right. Um, <laughs> We're, most of us are researchers. Most of us, when we're in this, because there's so little help, we're online looking and trying to find out, you know, how do I, you know, who do I go see? And, you know, what do I do? And what rights do I have? And all that kind of stuff. Well, I'm the same way. And so I was researching, like, what do I eat? Because I can't get food to stay down because I'm so racked with nerves and my stomach is just a knot. How in the world am I going to eat? Uh, soups. Oh yeah, yeah. I can, I can, I can guzzle soups really fast, and and yogurts, and anything I can get past my lips really quickly will stay. Um, I wish somebody could have told me that ahead of time. What foods can I eat that will help me to not get stuck in depression and really just you know stuck in this hard place? Oh, I researched it. Okay, bananas. Bananas are the king of mood boosting superfoods. You literally can eat a banana a day and change your body's ability to handle stress and depression. I'm like, okay, that's doable. That's doable for me. It's doable for my family and kids. It's doable for alienated parents who have no money. Right. You can afford a banana a day. Right. So it's like that kind of stuff. Once I figured out each of these things during, you know, several year process, I was then able to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to write all those down. Nobody else needs to go through where they have to find all these one by one. Right. So. And that's valuable advice for our listeners because a lot of them are paying child support and are having a hard time surviving. And I've, I've yes. been there and currently there myself in the past. So that's very important 
Uh, the other big key question I'd feel horrible if we didn't ask while we have you on here, uh, from your personal experience, we're going through the, the hardest time of the year, the Christmas season, uh, where a lot of parents are not going to be able to see their children at all or not even see them on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Uh, what advice and coping mechanism, like coping skills, uh, do you have for those parents who are going to be in that, that horrible situation? Well, the first thing I'm going to tell you is something you do not want to hear. And I'm going to tell you because I have lived it. And so I'm, I'm going to impart it to you. You don't want to hear it, but let it sink in later on in a couple of days or a couple of weeks when you're ready to hear it. Maybe you'll think of it again. Um, this time, as hard as it is, as awful and difficult and scary and heartbreaking as it is, is an opportunity. Now we get the reset button, okay? This is when all of our lives just come crashing down. But we have an opportunity here to reassess and relook at our lives and kind of see what would I like it to look like? Who would I want to be if I had to recreate myself and my life all over again? During this Christmas season, you have a couple of days or a couple of weeks right now where things are extremely hard. And I just would love if you could take some time to spend on yourself and I know self-care and all that's like the big buzzwords these days, but for us, it's real. Um, and re start making a list. Like if I could be anybody I want to be, who would it be? Okay. Am, am I Neo in the matrix? Am I John Wick? <laughs> you know, am I Superwoman? Am I, you know, whoever you're going to be like, you know, write down who it would be. And then write down the characteristics of that person. I want to be strong. I want to be in shape. I want to be positive. I want to be able to go and express myself to the judge when I'm in front of the judge and make sense. And I want to look like somebody that the judge feels comfortable giving this, you know, my children back to somebody who's fighting that kind of thing. So you have to make sure that you look the part to go before the judge and they feel comfortable giving your children to you. Okay. If you're there and all you've been doing is spending eight hours a day on the computer and you are not, getting outside, you're not eating right, you've got red eyes, you're pale and sickly, who feels comfortable handing your children over, handing their children to them, okay? That's, you want to be the person you've always wanted to be. So start working toward that. You may not have your child there right now, but that's okay. You can start writing out what it is you would like to have for your next Christmas when you are together. Oh, I want to make sure we make sugar cookies and that we open one present before bedtime. And then what things you're going to do for yourself to take care of yourself so you can be the strong parent your child or children need when they come home. Perfect. And, and the other thing I'd like to re-bring back up is if you go to Marie's website, uh, basically what, what, what you can do is go to her website and there's an offer for a free book uh, mm -hmm. called Changing Your Life in Just 10 Days. All you have to do is put in your email address and it will send you a free download to that mm -hmm. book. And that's a perfect first step to what Marie was just talking about. Because yeah. like I said, that book's interactive. It's not just a reader. It sets those goals. It has you write the stuff down and actually hand walks you through the process she was just speaking about. Absolutely. And, and another thing, you know, we talked to Dr. Harmon about this the other day when the holidays come around. Most of the reason they're putting out these TPOs and doing the things that they are doing is because they're trying to use that child as a weapon. So yeah. don't don't let their plan work. And, you know, no. that that is, you, you're you're so right. Take that as a time to reflect. How did I get here? How can I get myself out? Uh, what have I been doing wrong? And 
stop the reacting emotionally. It's, it's never gotten any of us anywhere. I know I've been a, um, a person that's done it myself. I read back on some old emails of mine and just watched how alienation was doing me. And that was scary to me. It really was. Okay. I mean, I wasn't always in the seat that I'm in now. I was the guy that reacted emotionally and just, just let it tear them to pieces and just going back in some of them old memoirs and looking, it's like, wow, wow. And somebody had just asked me to put the link to the site in your chat. I did put it in the chat, but also tagged at the top of this post, the introduction for the interview. Uh, the link is there as well. So tell us a little bit about TED Talk. How did that process come along and how did you feel going into that? Uh, that was neat. That was really, it, it's been interesting because it's, it's one of those things where you're, you're known for something you don't want to be known for. Right. You know, oh, you're the mom of the abducted child. Yeah, that's not really like, what do you do with that? Like, you know, do you, I, I don't want to capitalize on that. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do anything really. When people kept saying, you know, you've got to write a book, you've got to write a book to help people through this. I kept want, kept saying, no, right. like, I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't want to share with people. I don't want to talk with people. I just want to be in my own little bubble in my own little world and just make it through to tomorrow. That's it. Right. But then once you write a book and you know this book will save people's lives, I mean, it's literally, sorry, I got to reach behind me here. It's literally des um, designed with a cover that's, you know, calming. It's blue on purpose. Right. And on the back cover is the sun breaking through the clouds. It's literally designed that if it's sitting on your bed or, you know, by your bed on your nightstand at 2 a.m. and you're like, I can't do this anymore. I, I can't take another breath. It's designed for you to look over and to kind of calm you and go, you know, I'm going to pick that up and I'm going to, and I'm going to read it right. because I need some help right now. So knowing that I had something that was that powerful, that was really going to help people that were in the same situation we were, you, you have to kind of go, okay, like get over yourself. And in order for people to know this exists, you have to put yourself out there and be really uncomfortable. Right. And one of the things that I did was I traveled to New York and I met with a bunch of producers, TV, radio, and magazines. And one of them said, you know, I, I um, am the organizer of a TEDx Wilmington event and I would like you to come and speak on this. Wow. That's awesome. And, that amazing. And, <laughs> and, and as far as uh, finding the courage to do that, you know, it was, uh, I'm sure the first time that somebody asked you, you were, you were like terrified, weren't you? Like, were you like, were you like, yes, or like just had a reaction? Yes. Or like inside, were you like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Right. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Everything was, I don't know if like, I've been on hundreds of shows. I, every time was like, uh, okay. Yeah. Like I'm excited about this opportunity because I'm pushing this, right. but oh my gosh, could somebody else do it? Like, could I hire somebody <laughs> to do that? And you know, there was no money to hire somebody. So that, that wasn't going to happen. So it was all footwork. Well, I have to but say you've come a long way from feeling that way to <laughs> now because you're definitely a professional interview and you, you, you carry yourself very well. So, so Oh, uh, thank you. Uh, how many bestsellers do you have? Like everything I'm seeing behind you is bestseller, 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 bestseller. It's amazing. I definitely feel like God has blessed it and allowed things to really just take off in ways that I could not imagine. And um, I think... Last time I counted, over 10,000 people had read Changing Your Life in just 10 days. I don't know if it ever went to bestseller or not on Amazon, but um, I stopped counting how many people were, were getting that like three years ago. 
Right. So I don't know how many more people. She's like, oh, I stopped counting that one. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just amazing the things that can happen, especially when, you know, you're, this isn't a, you know, Nancy Drew mystery. This is how you make it through each day. And people right. needed that. And that had to be good, the validation of that you're writing a book and then seeing that many people buy it and then eventually for it to get, you know, bestseller, like in a way, I know it doesn't take away everything you went through, but you have to realize at that point when you achieve that status and you're given like an award like bestseller, how many people's lives who are reading your books that you're helping and affecting or just creating awareness for, that's that's amazing. So thank you for that. And you know, you could have you yeah. could have gotten out of your situation and been like, All right, I'm done. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stay home and be mom now and I'm gonna right. watch TV and take the kids to soccer and Right. You, know, you, you, you came out and because of that relationship that you built with the community, how they were there for you, you, you kept going. So I thank yes. you for that. Well, I'm very thankful to be able to do it. That's and that's really what I'm trying to get people to understand is as painful as what all of us have to go through is there's a purpose behind it. I mean, if I didn't go through this and if God didn't make me the way that I am personality wise, then I wouldn't have written that. There wouldn't be a guidebook. There wouldn't be a children's book to help children go through this too. There wouldn't be all these other resources and things. Um, I'm, I'm not in the LGBT community, but I wrote a book for the LGBT community. Because of the pain we were in, I saw other people's pain differently. And I wrote a book to encourage them. I mean, it's like, these are opportunities I wouldn't have had had I not gone through something so horrendous. And so really, it makes us each look at our own situations and go, what is it in our situation that could really be something amazing that comes out of this? Mothers Against Drunk Driving started by a mom whose child was killed in a, by a drunk driver. Right. Absolutely. And on that note, what is some of the opportunities and doors that have opened for you by becoming an author that you wouldn't have gotten to, you know, if you wouldn't have? Oh my gosh, so many. So, so, so many. I can't, I'm having a hard time even thinking of some of the ones that have happened, but I, I will tell you, what I have found the most fulfilling is that I get to be, okay, because this is weird, because right. I'm not an alienated parent, I get to go on shows who would never interview an alienated parent and would never take parental alienation seriously or believe that it's happening. But when I talk about it, they go, what? When I say 80% of your audience understands what it's like to go through something like this because they're alienated from their children or their grandchildren, they start going, wait a minute. Oh, like that's a thing. And they start going, you're right. I, I have a friend who, who called in or who do this or that. All of a sudden they start putting the pieces together and it raises awareness for parental alienation from somebody who's not angry and who doesn't have an agenda. And all of a sudden it builds support for this community of parental alienation from people who otherwise would never have heard of it. Right. And that's that's very important with the theme here at Dad Talk. We we've had a lot of people tell us, you know, awareness, it's, it, it, it doesn't mean anything in this when in reality it means everything, because if we can't get people from outside uh, our cause to join in and say, yeah, that's horrible. And, you know, feel empathetic towards yes. what we're going through. We're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that Eric and I face on a daily basis. I don't think there's a day where we don't see a comment or somebody says, well, awareness and stuff like that isn't important. Uh, so and that's really cool that you have the opportunity to be able to 
you're kind of like a Trojan horse in that regard. Right. <laughs> going in, they're like, let's talk about the abduction. And then, right. you know, you're, you're talking about how you bonded with these alienated parents and you, yes. you both were sharing the same emotions and you could relate. And, and that was, you know, therapeutic for them. And now you're out, you're out championing people like myself and Eric. Isn't and that wild? Yeah. Like, who, who would have thought? Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that when we talk about going through the emotions and falling apart, when I was going on your website earlier and checking everything out there, I'm, I'm seeing the books and everything you'd expect on a website. Okay. And then I get to one link and it was, I click on it from YouTube. It's X-Men days of the future past. Yeah. And it was a conversation that Xavier was having with uh, one of his students do you want to tell everybody like why you decided to put that 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 exact? Uh, Ooh, you're gonna make me cry just thinking that? about that part of the movie. Uh, it's when he's talking to himself. He, he's the young or an older version of himself talking to a younger version of himself, and he's saying, "You know, I can't do this. I can't, you know, be Xavier. I can't put on the the head thing and and hear everybody's problems. I can't do it. It's too painful." And he's like, it's not their pain you're afraid of, it's your own. And that resonates with all of us. Like, yes, our thing is painful. And yes, your thing is painful. And yes, taking on other people's pain is painful, but we're not really afraid of other people's pain. We're afraid of our own. Right, yeah. yeah and it's just we, amazing. When we <laughs> hear other people talk about their pain, we, we tend to relate it to our own and it, it kind of makes our pain stronger and grow inside and the post that I had put and then the reason why I put that post in the group about uh the scene from Logan was because what what Marie had put on her website reminded me of that and the, the message in in what I put was you know really to the children who are being hurt too don't be what they made you Yes. Uh, so I thought that was a good correlation. And that was really cool that that showed like the personable aspect of, you know, because a lot of times when we interview people on here, you, you see an author on a website, like, you know, nothing about their personality. They've got this book, they've got a suit and tie or a nice dress on, and right. they look like the, the picture perfect person, which you do. But then there was something very personable like that on your page that uh, I loved. And I actually, when I went to YouTube, I looked at the uh, hit counter for that clip and it was like 607,000. And I said, I bet you anything, 90% of that is from people that have gone. <laughs> well, it's amazing. As we talked about, there's so many movies that encapsulate what we're going through. Um, you know, and, and as uh, Brian Lee and I talked about a while ago on, during Thanksgiving, you know, I'm kind of your Morpheus to, to the Neo. Okay, I, I, I can see where you're headed and I'm telling you how to get through this maze. You're just gonna have to trust me. And that's what that book is. I mean, there are literally cards in the back of it to cut out and put around your house. There are daily checklists because when you check off a list, it actually sends endorphins to your brain, which we need because endorphins are your feel good hormones. So you need that. So there's actually checklists in there to check off each day so that you can have that rush of endorphins and so that you can do the things that you need to do so you can get through the day. Things like going outside and getting 30 minutes of fresh air and 30 minutes of sunshine, right. getting 30 minutes of exercise. Now you could do them all at once by going for a walk, which would be outside 30 minutes and you'd be getting sunshine at the same time and you'd be getting exercise. Your right. body needs that to keep fighting. 
If you want your children coming back, these are the things you have to do. You're going to have to eat your banana a day. You're going to have to go for a walk outside. You're going to have to make sure you're not on the computer ranting and raving all the time. These are things we have to do because we get stuck in that mode. But then we got to go before a judge and talk with them. And they're looking at you like, well, it looks like you haven't slept in seven years and you haven't eaten and you've gotten no fresh air. So you look like a crazy person. You look like who they want you to become. And instead, we have to build a life outside of what they want us to become so that when our children come home, we can be the best version of ourselves. And when you finally were reunified with your your child, did you feel like you they did you start that process all over again with your child? Like, hey, this is what you're gonna eat every day. And you know, because there's a lot of healing that has to be done for the yes. child too. What did that look like for you? Because eventually we are gonna reunify with our children, whether it's because yes. they're 18, 19 years old, or the court says enough of this, that kid's eight years old, he deserves to have time with his mother or father. What did that look like? How did you go about that? Well, and um, when this, when our child was was brought back to us, um, it was hard. It was really, really hard. Really, really harder than I, really hard I knew it was going to be. Like, you know, in theory, it's going to be hard. And then you go to do it and you're like, oh my gosh, I really, um, for three months, I had to sleep with my child until they fell asleep before I could go back to my own bed because of all the trauma and everything that had gone um, on to had, they had gone through for the four and a half years that our child was gone. Um, And all I could think about when I was heading back to my bed were alienated parents. I'm thinking this is a situation where I know my child has come home. They're safe. They can never go back. And that's great there. You know, that it would be, terrible, you know, send them back to their abductor. But if I was an alienated parent and my child was crying for the person who had alienated them from me, it was my ex-spouse or whatever, um, it would be really tough to lay with them each night to fall asleep when they're terrified because of what they've been through. But then part of them misses what they've been used to. Right. Wow. you're missing the person who was this awful to you. Right. Like, how do you reconcile the two things together? Right. But I thought, gosh, if you're, if you're an alienated parent and so alienated parents um, who had been reunified or had been, you know, had summers with their child or whatever had contacted me when our child came home and said, just, just a warning. This is going to be really, really tough. Wow. And wow. they were right. They had, oh my gosh, they couldn't even prepare me for how tough it was going to be. This was excruciatingly hard, worth it, 100% worth it. But the hard moments were really hard. And I don't think as an alienated parent, you could ever be prepared for that. So I need to warn you ahead of time how difficult it will be. It will be worth it. But you're going to question everything that you've done to get your child home. Right. Linda Conrad had a a question for you, uh, Marie. She said, what initiated the reunification? Um, well, no, ours is, ours was an abduction. So, um, our child was just returned to us by the authorities. That's right. So there was no reunification, um, as a parental alienation type. And I think now would be a good time to reiterate, uh, part of the reason why Marie's here is because even though it was an abduction, uh, during that time as a coping mechanism, she had actually reached out and got to know people in the parental alienation community and realized that they were both sharing, you know, we were all sharing the same emotions, the same fears, the, the same yes. psychological distress. So 
that's how this this relates to dad talk and parental alienation. She very much is experiencing the same feelings and problems that we all do on a daily basis when this was occurring with her. Yes. And so that's, you know, it just, whew, I can't imagine what that would have been like had there been, had it been an alienation situation where there was another home to go to, you know what I mean? Where it would have been, you know, well, I really miss that person where I would have, you could have, you know, as an alienated parent gone, well, do they, they miss that person so much Should they be back with them? Right. Like you're going to question yourself right. when these things happen, when they're hurting so much and they're, you know, missing the other person so much, the person, you know, has been evil. The person, you know, has taken you from being a main part of their life to not letting you see your child for years at a time. You know, the wrong they've done, you mm-hmm. know, what's happened with them. You know, if they've been abusive to that child, whatever, you know, that that child does not belong back there. But in that moment, when they are crying and missing the other person, right. you're going to question yourself. Right. So you really need to ahead of time. If you're, if reunification looks like it's on the brink for you, you really need to do yourself a favor and write down why it is that you're doing what you're doing. Right. So that you can look at it at the moments when you're like, Oh my gosh, like it took me three hours to get my child to fall asleep. And they were, you know, they had nightmares and all these problems, but they still missed the other parent. Right. Should they be with you? Like, you're going to ask those questions to yourself, even when it's an abduction, you're going to wonder those. Right. And I can relate to that because after uh, being alienated from my daughter, when she was uh, just a baby and going back to her when she was two years old, three years old, when she was able to talk, when it was the court had ordered for me to go pick her up and have some time with her. I went and picked her up and my daughter looked at me and said, when I got her in the car, I, I hate you. I don't like you. I want my mommy. I don't want you. And I remember how that just like my world came crashing down. And now that she's older, nine years old, uh, I was alienated from her for two years prior to last October. And I was worried that the same thing was going to happen. Uh, what was very interesting after two years of no contact whatsoever, uh, my daughter has just like clicked, like everything fell right back into place and she was very happy to see me. So I'm very fortunate in that regard. Uh, the only thing we struggle with at this point is, is the amount of time and lack of overnight. So, you know, that's, that's very, you know, I can relate to that very much. I've been through that. And I think what you're trying to tell everybody here is when you do get reunified with your children, realize it's not the end of the story. It's not, you know, like the end of star Wars, everyone's cheering and like, Hey, there's another hill to go up after that. And it's worth it to go over that hill. It's just going to be a lot harder than you thought it was going to be. I was looking back and when you was talking about, you know, you were questioning yourself whether you was doing the right thing. And I think that is a big thing with alienated parents, especially uh, that when you're going through this alienation, you're being labeled as the deadbeat <laughs> and you, you're feeling so hopeless and you're just so beat up. Y- you start getting in your head wondering, am I that deadbeat? 
Yep. You know, and, and yep. am I that just really bad person? Is this why they're doing it to me? Am I the narcissist? Am I the one that can't grasp what's going mm-hmm. on? And there's so many of these tricks that go through you. And that's, that's, that's part of the, you know, reason why Maria was talking about the taking care of yourself. Cause the more you get broken down, the more you start to believe that kind of crap about yourself. I've been there. Yep. I've been there. We all do. And that's part of the whole PTSD thing. I mean, all of this ties into that. When you're talking about innocent, good parents going through the things that each of us has gone through, you, as a normal, good person, you start to wonder, you're like, is this bad thing happening to me because I deserve it? Because I'm not a good person? Because, you know, for some reason, like you're trying to figure out, you know, is there some kind of logic to this? There isn't. There isn't. Okay. There's, it, it doesn't matter how good you are, how rich you are, like Brad Pitt or Alec, um, Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. Thank you. You know, or Yaya McLean, the, the right. two-time world championship um, boxer. I mean, it does, it doesn't matter. It happens to anyone, whether you're the janitor or you're a famous movie star, it doesn't matter how you look. It doesn't matter how fit you are. These are things that are going to happen to people, men or women. It doesn't matter. But what you bring out of this and what you become in the midst of this, is what's important. People went through the concentration camps. Okay. They went through that and they could have just despaired and died. Right. And instead people came out of that and became statesmen and, you know, um, movie stars and they, you know, impacted generations. You have that ability, even when you're going through something this hard, you right. can make an impact. And whether you're helping this community or your family or other people around you, you have an opportunity to do something amazing with your life. Right take it. Absolutely. Marie, do you have anything coming up that everybody should be looking out for or any links to some of your stuff? I do. I do. Thank you for saying that. I was just thinking that. Um, okay. I didn't knock it over. This book, Strength for Parents of Missing Children, Surviving Divorce, Abduction, Runaways, and Foster Care, which as I said, has cards to cut out in the back and put around your house. I can't even tell you how many times I walked into a room and saw one of those cards and just went, like it's going to be okay. Right. Um, daily checklist has links. It has how to put yourself on a laughter diet. It tells you what to eat. Everything um, is my Christmas gift to you. So on Christmas day, this book will be free on Kindle for all of the alienated parents out there. So go out there and get yourself a copy. I promise you it is uplifting. It's not depressing. Um, People, a lot of them wanted me to put, you know, put your story in there and really talk about what you've gone through. I'm like, no, this is, that's not what this is. This isn't about our story. Exactly. This is a guidebook. So there's one page where I talk about sweeping the floor in my house and being overwhelmed by the grief and uh, going in my bedroom, shutting the door, sobbing open mouth on the floor. And then when the sobs felt like they were forced, I wiped my face off. I got back up and I grabbed the broom again and I finished sweeping. That's the most depressing part. <laughs> like everything else in the book is to help you and encourage you to keep on going. It is free on Christmas day and you can start reading it right away. As soon as you get it, it's free on Kindle. And um, you can read that on your computer, on your phone. You can get the free Kindle app, everything. And, and Pamela Holt, one of our listeners right now said, it's so hard sometimes to push through. Well, Pamela, Christmas day, uh, you should go to Marie's website and pick up this book for free. Yes. Number one, serve as a distraction while you're reading it in those moments and when you feel like that. Number two, 
it's going to give you healthy ways to cope and and put your focus in a positive perspective. That's another big thing. I think I started reading one of your books that you talked about was perspective. Can you go into detail and explain to our audience who might have a poor perspective on what's going on around them right now, how important perspective is and how you changed yours? Because that honestly is the first and biggest mountain you have to climb. And until you do that, you can't do anything else. Yes. I totally agree. You're absolutely right. And I'm glad you pointed that out because, you know, we all forget when we're bogged down, we forget to, on the, to have some perspective and look at that. Um, as we talked about with the Mothers Against Drunk Driving woman, you know, who started, um, who started that organization, so much of what we're going through is really for a higher purpose, for something bigger than ourselves. And we don't always get to see that. Sometimes we do. Sometimes I get to go on a show and talk about this and go, oh my gosh, that's why I'm here. I'm here because I'm letting an audience of 10,000 people know parental alienation exists, support your friend and family that's going through that. And it's not everybody's you know, fault when they don't have access to their children. But something else that you and I talked about um, in the book, it, it goes into grief. Now we talked about before also that we can't always get the treatment that we need for therapy or PTSD because of the impact it can have on your custody case. This book is going to be the closest thing you can get to free therapeutic care. Obviously, I can't give it to you because I'm not a therapist, but I can lead you in the right direction and help you to do the things that are going to be therapeutic for you. Also, it goes through grief and explains grief. We know it, even though we can't always put a name on it, what we're going through when our children are taken from us is that we're going through grief. And like you said, grieving a living child. Um, when our children are reunited, they are going through grief also. Right. And all the work and all the stuff that I cover in the book on grief then becomes applicable to your child. Right. So when they come in, the best thing you can do to prepare and something you can definitely do at Christmas time is start learning about grief. Pick up books at the library, read things online, look for free Kindle books that might be available and read on grief and understand it so that when your child comes home and they are going through those hard moments, what they're doing is grief. They could be grieving that things are different. And once you understand that, you can help them walk through that grief in the appropriate way. Absolutely. Marie, before we let you go, something we asked about just out of every guest from, some, from when you first got into this community and some of the things that you saw, what are some steps do you think that we could take to really get this awareness to the next level and to, to get some things into place to kind of calm down this madness? Well, I think what you guys are doing is, is exactly the right step and it's awareness for sure. Um, it's awareness that is not, for lack of a better word, crazy. <laughs> when you have people representing alienated parents who are just crazy, who are just angry, bitter, profanity-laced tirades, um, that's not helpful, okay? It doesn't help anybody. Let me just ask you, if if you're alienated from your child and they turn 18 and they go or whatever age and they go online and they find your Facebook page, what are they going to see on there? Are they going to see profanity laced tirades that make absolutely no sense all in caps about how life is awful and the people around you are evil? Or are they going to go on there and see a person that they want to get to know? You have a choice to make in that. Right. And so you need to become the person you've always wanted to be. And the same thing when you're representing this movement, this, you know, this epidemic that's happening with parental alienation, um, we need people that are sane 
out there representing and talking about it in a calm and gracious manner. Because when you get people that are angry out there, nobody wants to be on your side and they're not gonna help you. Very good. Uh, we have one other uh, person out in the audience. You might know him, you might not, Brian Lee. <laughs> we are hoping Hi, Marie will be joining Carlos Rivera and I for the Christmas marathon. I just I'm gonna it. look on it right now when we get off of here and I'm gonna find a time slot. So yes, okay. thanks Brian. <laughs> All right, Marie, thank you so much for joining us. And everybody, please go check out that book. You said Christmas Eve or Christmas, it's going to be free. Christmas, Christmas is going to be free. So please check that out. Again, thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. Thank Thanks. you very much, Marie. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. This has been an episode of Dad Talk Today with your host, Eric Carroll. Thank you so much for being here today, Dad. It means the world to us. Join us next week as we release a brand new podcast. And until then, visit us over at www.dadtalktoday.com where you can find merchandise that helps support this podcast as well as a contact form where you can send in your questions, concerns, comments. You just need to reach out to somebody, need somebody to talk to. Send us that email, brother. If you're here, you're family. Until then, we will see you next time. Stay cool. Stay dad.